0: Somehow, someway, under Steve Wilkes, the Carolina Panthers were right there in week 17 with a chance to go to the playoffs. One could say that they underachieved. And now, with Bryce Young, Frank Reich, and a experienced NFL staff, and some more experience on both the offensive and defensive side of the ball, how much is this new coaching staff worth as far as wins go? I'll tell you right here on this weekly Friday Mailbag edition of Locked On Panthers. Julian Council over on Twitter at Julian Council, where on Fridays like today, I answer your weekly Friday mailbag questions either at me or DM me to get those questions in for next week's edition of the weekly Friday mailbag right here on Locked on Panthers. This episode of Locked on Panthers is brought to you by eBay Motors. A championship team is about each player being a perfect fit. Same with your vehicle. So for parts that fit, head to eBay Motors and look for the green check. Stay in the game of eBay Guaranteed Fit. eBayMotors.com Let's Ride. eBay Guaranteed Fit only available to U.S. customers. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. We're back again for another edition of the Weekly Friday Mailbag here on Locked on Panthers where I must apologize um y'all remember last week and I was like gosh didn't get a lot of questions this week what's going on I was confused because camp was back it was about to be August and that's typically when you see an uptick in listeners I can see the viewership on YouTube I can see people listening to the podcast so the numbers are up and I was kind of confused why the uh, questions weren't coming in then I was on my phone the other day on the old x app or Twitter or whatever the hell we're calling it now And I realized that my DMs weren't open. So, yeah, that's on me that y'all couldn't DM me. I also told y'all you can at me. And I understand that a lot of people maybe don't want to do that. They rather just, well, they might not have the characters because a lot of y'all have given me some uh, Steinbeck-level questions as far as the length of your questions for mailbags in the past. So maybe that's been the reason why people haven't asked me a question. So, yeah, that's on me, y'all. So the DMs are back open, uh, so don't get crazy, though. But go ahead and send me those questions in for next Friday. And I have brought this up on last week's show, kind of towards the end. Should have done it earlier. uh, But please provide me some feedback. I'm thinking about moving into the season. So when the season's going on, those 18 weeks, I'm going to go live, I believe, on Tuesday evenings around 7 or 8 o'clock Eastern Standard Time, and answer your weekly Friday mailbag questions live on the chat on YouTube. And also, I'll take the questions that I get... On Twitter in my DMs or if you at me so I'll answer those still the standard way but I'll do it live and then I'll take some time to look at some of the questions I get from the YouTube people because I'm sure there's people who don't have Twitter and have tried to ask me questions on YouTube and I don't read the comments or respond to anything so that'd be a great time for the YouTube viewers to be able to actually uh, interact with me that way so think about doing that live on Tuesday nights that would be Wednesday's episode so I always post the episodes the night before on YouTube And then they come out um, the next morning. Really, it's at midnight Pacific. So just a little housekeeping there. So let me know if you guys are cool with that idea, if that's something that makes sense for you. And then on Fridays, try to get a guest or just me break down the game ahead that upcoming Sunday. So that's what I'm thinking about doing for the weekly Friday or I guess maybe Wednesday mailbag. But doing with with the mailbag once the season rolls around. So there's that. Now let's actually get into the show because you all have questions. And I'm pretty excited to answer like, all these this week. I think there's some pretty good questions of the ones that I got. Again, my fault. <laughs> DM should have been open. Let's start off with Derek, who asked me this last week, and I didn't get to it because I had already recorded the show. Uh, but this is really interesting. We always play the what-if game. What if the Panthers did this? Where would the franchise be? And he asks a pretty good one as far as what the Panthers have done the last three years in their NFL drafts in the first round where they've taken JC Horn, Ikki Kwanu and Bryce Young. He asked me, based off our last three drafts, the organization had options to go other directions. Rank these other possible outcomes, and do you feel like we made the right choices? And he said, if possible, factor in the DJ Moore tree. Well, of course. So, of course, the first one is one that the Carolina Panthers did, where they got JC Horn, then Ikki Ikwanu, then Bryce Young, where he brings up another scenario where the Carolina Panthers, instead of JC Horn, take Patrick Sertan, who came out of Alabama and has played in Denver, then take Kenny Pickett, and then Paris Johnson Jr., the tackle out of Ohio State this past year. And the third scenario it has is Justin Fields, who a lot of people wanted back that night um, when the Carolina Panthers took J.C. Horn, Evan Neal, and then Devin Witherspoon, the cornerback out of Illinois. Now, when I look at this, let me just look at the situation, or at least the guys in each year. So just starting off. J.C. Horn, Patrick Sertan, or Justin Fields, now looking at it today. If anything, this is probably the the one I would pick, or I'd change the pick. I would take Patrick Sertan. He has played in all 33 games available. He has six interceptions. He's been a pretty damn good player for the Denver Broncos on a defense that last year, with our new D.C. here in Carolina EJ, they were top 10 in the NFL in a lot of categories, and he was part of the reason fantastic secondary, but most importantly, he's been healthy and he played at the same level as JC Horn in college playing at Alabama. So you can even say it's a higher level because of Alabama and South Carolina and the differences between those two programs, both tremendous players. He has the pedigree as his dad, Patrick Sertan played in the NFL and Patrick has gone on to have a successful career in college. And so far early on in his NFL career has that's been the case. So if I was going to change any of these, I would have take him instead of JC, not to say I don't like JC Horn. Don't still think that JC Horn can going to be a good player, we just haven't seen enough of them, and the best ability is availability. And unfortunately, through the first two seasons, J.C. Horns not been available. So I would have taken Patrick Sertan, um, and in Justin Fields, like I told y'all back then, if the Carolina Panthers wanted Fields or wanted Trey Lance or Mac Jones, any of those three that were going to be available there at eighth overall, they would not have traded a second and a fourth and a sixth round pick to the New York Jets to bring in Sam Darnold. Like they told y'all four weeks before the draft that they wanted Darnold to be their starting quarterback. So, at the end, I realized, like, whatever, if they take Fields, cool. It wouldn't really have made a lot of sense to me. I was certainly don't understand why you would give up those assets for Sam Darnold and then draft somebody else. If anything, you should have just kept Teddy Bridgewater, then drafted Fields. That would have made sense. But trading for Darnold and then drafting Fields would not have made any sense because once you traded for Darnold, you had to pick up the fifth-year option because you're using that as a, hey, two-year kind of deal to figure out whether he's the guy. Um, newsflash, he never was, and they found out that that was not the case. So I wouldn't have really changed anything other than I would have taken Patrick Sertan. Uh, the second scenario there, as far as just looking at it, Icky Aquano, Kenny Pickett, or Evan Neal. Kenny Pickett, God love him, fine, but not great last year. I think Mike Sando of the Athletic had him as like a Tier 4 quarterback or maybe even Tier 5 heading into his first full season as a starter there in Pittsburgh this year. He was okay last season, still not great, didn't love him at Pitt, had a great season his last year there. I just saw way too much bad football to believe that guy's going to be a high-level NFL quarterback and is going to get this team out of the muck. So, no, I would not have taken him sixth overall. Evan Neal. I mean, Ike has been a better player. So I'm totally fine with what they did there. And then this past year, Bryce Young, Paris Johnson, or Devin Witherspoon. Well, I would have ta- taken Sirhan, so don't really need Witherspoon. And then they already have a tackle in Iquano. So, yeah, totally fine with them taking Bryce Young. I did say, though, I didn't feel like any of these quarterbacks were worth trading up that high for. But they did it. And here we are. So it ain't really that big of a deal since it's all said and done. So really looking at it, if you're asking me the scenarios and the possibilities, JC Hornick, Iquando, Bryce Chung, which the Panthers did, versus Patrick Dutan, Kenny Pickett, Paris Johnson, which of course they didn't do, or Justin Fields, Evan Neal, Devin Witherspoon, I would take what the Panthers did. I think that they've actually made pretty astute first-round picks, which is what the organization has pretty much did. You have like Jeff Ota, who didn't work out. You also got Vernon Butler. But outside of that, they pretty much nailed first-round picks, whether it's been Marty Herney, Gettleman, Scott Fitterer. They haven't missed yet. Now, the one that is drafted, they definitely got a hit on that one. So I don't really think even DJ Morton factors into my decision-making here. I would take the scenario where the Panthers took those three, and in the next one, I would probably take Justin Fields, and I would have kept Teddy Ridgewater. I would have never traded for Sam Darnold, and I would have Fields develop. He could have DJ Moore here in Carolina instead of Chicago, and they could have got Evan Neal, or they could have still just taken Icky and then Devin Witherspoon. So I think that's what I would have done. But the Panthers, what they wanted to do was build a defense. They got J.C. Horn with the entire defensive board there for them. Then they wanted to build the offensive line. They got Icky Aquana with the entire offensive board there for them. And then they got a quarterback. So I don't hate their process. I just kind of hate in the manner of how they went about certain things. Like the draft day process makes sense. But, like, the quarterback – carousel merry-go-round BS I didn't really understand that at all all right so what is this new coaching staff worth as far as wins go we have one listener who wants to know that and I'll let him know and I'll let all of y'all know that here in just a moment on locked on Panthers underdog is the easiest place to play fantasy football and the best place for best ball august is here and you know what that means the official start of fantasy football drafting month get championship ready for your home league by trying out best ball on underdog fantasy all you do is one live snake draft no waivers no trade then underdog sets your best lineup every single week try it out with underdogs best ball mania tournament the largest fantasy football contest of all time is back and even bigger with 15 million dollars of total prizes up for grabs including an absurd $3 $3 million going to the winner last year. The winner drafted their team in July. So um, don't wait around. Visit UnderdogFantasy.com or find them in the App Store and sign up with promo code locked on to get your first deposit doubled up to $100. That's UnderdogFantasy promo code locked on. All right, let's get back into it. The weekly Friday mailbag here on Locked on Panthers. I'm likely to become the weekly Wednesday mailbag once the season comes around. Let me know what y'all think about that. Uh, let's get into it again. Kurt has a question. Kurt, one of our loyal listeners, one of our everydayers here on Locked on Panthers. He asked me, how many wins is this coaching staff worth? Is the staff too good to allow a team to... Even with a rookie quarterback and some concerns on D-line like, or on D, like edge and cornerback depth to go something like 5-12, and is our floor seven wins just based on coaching alone. So, based on coaching alone, and based on Frank Reich's past, when he has a quarterback, he's in the playoffs. Year one in Indy with Andrew Luck, playoff team. Year three with Phillip Rivers. Playoff team the other years, not a playoff team. Jacoby Brissett, who, according to Stephen Holder, of ESPN.com, who's been all over that Jonathan Taylor situation. Oh, boy. Ursay. Um, what are you doing, buddy? But also, running backs, federal minimum wage. Y'all know how I feel about that, but I do feel bad for him. I have a heart. Um, he told us when we talked to him way back when in the offseason that, Jacoby Brissett actually had a really good year that year with Frank Reich until he got hurt. So it's not like Brissett was bad, and Brissett's been a fine backup in this league. Carson Wentz, it was good until it wasn't good in the final two weeks of the season. Then Ursay's out there in the tarmac being like, ah, no, this ain't it, y'all. And then last year was an absolute disaster with the carcass that we know as Matt Ryan. 28-3, blew that lead, never forget. Uh, that's like the third show in a row I brought that up, by the way. Um, either way, getting into it, I would just look at that and tell you all that when he has a quarterback, they're a playoff team. That's TBD here in Carolina, whether they have a quarterback. Looking at last season, I think it's fair to say, like, the Panthers overachieved. They had so many things going against them. They had a horrible head coach in the first place, Matt Rule. They had a staff that really wasn't up to par with the rest of the NFL. and We've seen that the last couple seasons where the quarterback play has held them back. And the head coach and staff has held them back. In in the NFL, where it's a salary cap league, everyone's a pro, and it's pretty much a level playing field where everyone's supposed to go eight, nine, nine, and 8, what separates you is coach and quarterback. Why is it that the Chiefs win every year? They have Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid. Why is it that the Jets lose every year? Because they have terrible quarterbacks and dudes like Adam Gase as their head coach. Now, I think Salah might be okay. There's your Jets take for the day. Look at Jacksonville. Bad quarterback play typically, bad head coach. But why the Jacks start winning all of a sudden? They got Trevor Lawrence and Doug Peterson. It can be that simple. When you have the right coaching staff and the right quarterback, you can win. I feel like they have the right coaching staff, and I do feel like in due time they'll have the right quarterback. That's still TBD as far as Bryce Young goes. Now, their floor, based on what we saw last season where Baker was ho- was awful, P.J. was P.J., and Sam, surprisingly, wasn't terrible until the Axe of Carolina Panthers needed him to be good. Um, they still were able to be in contention for the playoffs. After being in a 1-4, really 1-5 hole, because Steve Wilkes wouldn't let P.J. Walker throw the ball across the line of scrimmage in that game against the Rams. They were in a massive hole in a terrible division and still in it. So... You look at that and you're thinking to yourself, okay, well, they were able to win last year in no circumstances. Now with a new coach, new scheme, new defensive scheme as well. And like guys who are veterans and have been in games that mattered in December, shouldn't you think that they'd be right there in the playoff hunt? You only think that really because, well, the division and there's factors what make you, some of the factors that's brought up are also the factors that would lead you to believe that, oh, this is not gonna be a playoff team. Um, which is not exactly what Kurt's asking, but still, like, those factors, like rookie quarterback, uh, new coaching staff, new schemes, um, players who ain't never won nothing ever, that would lead you to think that probably wouldn't be a playoff team. But last year, in the result that they showed under Wilks, in that fight with this new coaching staff, you would think that, hell, they can't be worse than they were a season ago. And I kind of agree, dude. Like, the floor feels like seven. I don't see them going five and twelve. I feel like they'll go really as far as Bryce Young can take them. And I know it's asking a lot of a rookie quarterback, but that's kind of how I feel. Um, I do think that – I think really I feel like seven to nine wins. Like that's that feels like where they could or should be. So looking at it, what were they, seven and – I guess they were what, seven and ten last year? I should know this. I do this damn podcast every day. Panthers. Someone's already screaming at me. Panthers 2022 record. They were seven and 10. So you would think that they can't be worse than seven and 10. So for me, really, I guess I would say this coaching staff is probably worth two more wins. You can think of situations where Matt Rules cost the Panthers games in the past and quarterback plays cost some games in the past. So it's probably more than two, but just – Being, you know, realistic, I would say they're probably worth two two wins. So, yeah, nine and eight. That could feel like a good, uh, good uh, number for the Carolina Panthers this year. Uh, All right. Over now to uh, Chuck, who has questions. So there's a Vietnam didn't get his name. Um, But he, Chuck asked me, do you think since we signed Deion Jones that he and Shaq Thompson can play at middle linebacker and we can move Frankie Luvu to the outside linebacker position? Vietnam asking a very similar question saying, what impact do you think Deion Jones will have on our defense? He was very good. He was a very good player a couple years ago, and I hope that he brings the pain in stopping the run. Well, to answer your question, Vietnam, I think Chuck kind of already answered that with his question of could the signing of Deion Jones mean that uh, Frankie Luvu gets kicked out to outside linebacker? That would be the impact I would feel that the Panthers now have more opportunities to—I want to say variety, but that's not the right word. Um, there's more flexibility. There we go. That's the word. There's more flexibility there with this defense, and that's part of the three-four scheme—is having that flexibility to where you can be in the on-man front, you can put four-down linemen, you can have, you know four linebackers out there, and you can interchange who, what those guys do. You can bring in that nickel like Jeremy Chin. You you can do a lot of things, and that's why it's really become popular, and that's why the Panthers want to bring that defensive scheme here to allow these guys to do some different things. And Frankie Louvre we saw last year in a system with Phil Snow as a DC. And then, even once Al Holcomb and Steve Wilkes took over the defense, like he didn't always just play it inside linebacker. Right? And especially when Phil Snow was here, he put them all over the field. He put all these guys all over the field. Love the safety blitz, especially even like up the zero gap, which is incredible. So, I mean, I'm one of the guys where I think that I think Frankie Louvou, out of necessity, probably needed to play some outside linebacker this year, anyways. But I still think that he can and should be able to play off ball at the inside linebacker position next to Shaq Thompson. But Deion Jones has been way too good of a player over the la- his course of his career for him not to be out there. Five of the seven seasons, he's had over 100 tackles. And let's just go every season he's been healthy, which has been five of those seven, he's had over 100 tackles. So when, when Deion Jones is healthy, which he says he is, Deion Jones gets 100 tackles. So if that, guy's, if that guy's healthy, how can you not put him on the field? And we can't forget about Camus, uh, Greer Hill, and what he could add to this defense. He ain't just a special teams guy. So the Panthers are in a good spot there at inside linebackers. I do think that Deion Jones elevates – he rele- he raises the floor. We're talking about the floor of what this team could be record-wise. He's part of the raising the floor, what they can do defensively. Because if Shaq goes down, you got a guy who's been out there and has been productive in his career. If Frankie goes down, same case. And you can put him on the field and have Frankie Lou and Shaq Thompson also on the field, and then Brian Burns out there as well at his outside linebacker spot. The possibilities, they're not endless, but they're far greater than what they were Monday morning before Deion Jones was a Carolina Panther. So, really good signing there for the Panthers. All right, got to talk more about expectations. Also, a question about one Ionic Ngakwe, and why the hell is he not a Carolina Panther? We'll talk about that here in just a moment on Locked On Panthers. All right, let's get back into it. A few more questions here on Locked on Panthers Weekly Friday Mailbag, either at me or DM me over on Twitter, at Julian Council. These two people decided that they were going to DM me on Instagram. They were like, Twitter, X, I ain't doing that. I'm going to DM this guy on Instagram. Now, again, my DMs are closed. My bad. It's fixed. Problem's fixed, y'all, I promise. Um, but we got Tyler, who is from Denver, which – God bless you, Tyler. That's going to be kind of tough to be a Panthers fan living in Denver. I know uh, Josh Klein, friend of the show, Right Report, he uh, he lived in Denver for a period of time. And I got a friend who's a Denver Broncos fan who lives here. And, you know, there's a photo of a Super Bowl party that I was not able to attend because I was up in Connecticut at the time grinding. And, uh, yeah, he was the only Broncos fan there to celebrate and gloat. Way to go, Mike Rimmers. Um, But to your question, Tyler says, I'm from Denver. And he, I guess he lives in Denver he, and a Panthers fan. But the story around the Broncos is a year of turnaround with a new coach, etc. I found it hard to buy into that here. And I'm curious, as a Panthers fan, what should my realistic expectations be for Reich this coming year from a fan's perspective? I'm optimistic, but Matt Rule really left a bad taste in my mouth for turnarounds. Yeah, he sure did, man. He sure did. Yeah, God, Matt Rule spent so much time afterwards. It's called, Look, it's called public relations. That's what Matt Rule's doing. So anybody who gets upset about it, it's PR, folks. He's going to Nebraska. I mean, he's already at Nebraska, but he was going to Nebraska. He was trying to get a fan base that has been kicked in the net so many times recently by coaches who are going to, be turnover, turnaround artists. And that has not happened. Um, instead, they've been turnover artists. That's what Scott Frost literally was. Uh, the prodigal son came home. It didn't work. Um, but Matt Rule was basically trying to let people know. It's okay. Like, hey, well, I got there and, you know, we lost all our defensive veterans, which they did. You watched Bruce Irvin leave. Um, you saw, what was it? Kaylon Short was still there, but uh, they lost. It's Bruce Irving. They had brought in Gerald McCoy, but he got hurt. And then you saw Luke Kuechly leave. You saw Mario Addison leave. Like, they had to rebuild the defense. So, I understand, like, why they kind of focused on rebuilding the defense the way that they did when they when you looked at what they lost. And then it was his decision and the owner's decision and Marty Herney's decision to move off of Cam Newton. So, he put himself in an own situation with the quarterbacks, even though, I mean, maybe Cam – we saw some good, decent Cam there in 2020. So, he probably meant – Made it probably been better off with Cam that last year. There's still the questions of whether Cam would have played on that deal. I think it was 19 million dollars guaranteed and all that kind of stuff, which is we'll never know. But Matt Rule was doing PR afterwards. That's what he was doing, and explaining why things uh, didn't really work out here in Carolina, and that's kind of what Sean Payton was doing this week when he threw Nathaniel Hackett all the way under a moving freight train and said he did one of the worst coaching jobs in NFL history, which everyone agrees with. But because Sean Payton has such, you know, kind of face, everyone's like, oh, God, this guy, even though Broncos fans agree and every team in the NFL agrees, and come on, let's be real. Jets fans, you agree. You agree. Um, You just – might love your guy now. And Aaron Rodgers loves him. And maybe it was uncalled for, but it's something that people have been saying about that dude since week one in Seattle when he decided to kick like a 60-yard field goal. Like that was asinine. Um, But either way, like as far as just like expectations, I don't think Matt Rule should sour you when you look at just Matt Rule was not up for the task. Matt Rule did not come out and hire the right staff. And I get in the NFL, it's different. In college, you can poach whenever the hell you want. In the NFL, these guys are under contract. It's a level playing field. You just can't poach a guy. So he came in, and it's very possible that he didn't have the guys that he wanted. Well, come on, dude. He brought in Terrence Knighton. He brought in Phil Snow. He brought in um, Evan Cooper. He brought a ton of dudes that were there with him at Temple and then the Baylor to the NFL. So the staff was never up to snuff. Whereas you look at Frank Reich, he's bringing in, Jero uh, Avero, who has only had one year as a coordinator, but he's been under some pretty damn good staffs there in Los Angeles with Sean McVay, where also Jonathan Cooley was and Thomas Brown was. So he's taking guys from his successful staff and putting them on his staff. He's taking veteran coaches who had success in the past that were already here and kept them in Chris Tabor and with James Campen. He's gone out there and he's brought in a young, smart offensive coach potential play caller, and Parks Frazier, who called plays last year in Indianapolis. He went out and got someone who's not too far removed from the position of playing quarterback to be the quarterback coach as a first-time coach in Josh McCown. He's done that. He's brought in Jim Caldwell. He's brought in uh, – damn, he's he's brought in um, – I almost cursed. He's brought in – oh, my God, how am I forgetting his name right now? Our first coach ever here. Don, Don Capers. He's brought in all these people of all this experience. Compare that to what Rule did. And then compare that to now the roster that he's taking over. A roster that isn't just completely green, like Rule had. It's a roster of guys who have played a ton of snaps the last couple of years. Now they have they not have they had success sparingly. So it's a different situation where he's, I think, taking over a much better situation, but has the better tools to actually turn things around here. And I agree because last year I was bullish on this team. What a moron I was. And I am to this day, I imagine. <laughs> um, but for me, and I think it actually would be smart to protect your heart by being like, they got to prove it to me first before I really buy it. And that's my thing. Like I, I think like seven, eight, nine, seven, eight or 9 wins, like that's, that's kind of like the sweet spot. I'm not expecting anything. I'm not expecting playoffs. I'm not expecting anything above that. For me, they got to prove it first because I don't even know these guys can win. So I get – why you would be skeptical, and I'm a natural skeptic myself, because just there's so many things in the world to be skeptical about. In particular, the Carolina Panthers, uh, Carolina Panthers football franchise, like it's hard to believe in them, but I can believe in this turnaround with these guys, this staff, Frank Reich, way more than Matt Rule, which I never even really bought into because the college guys don't work. So yeah, what's happening in Denver? I think they probably have bigger problems, like Russell Wilson might actually be cooked. So we'll find out this season. But I, I think this is a turnaround he can believe in, in particular, considering the division. Like, they're still playing the Chiefs twice, right? They still play the Chargers twice, and then the Raiders twice there uh, in Denver. Good luck. Uh, all right, final question coming from Alex, who says, You mentioned the Yannick Ngakwe, uh, Frank Reich, Colts connection, as a, conne- as a reason why he could be brought in. Is it possible that's the reason why he's not a Panther with nine and a half sacks last season? It's hard to imagine. We wouldn't be interested unless there is no love lost between the two. I cannot sit here and pretend as if I have any idea of the relationship that Frank Reich and Yannick Ngakwe have. I know that Ngakwe has a new agent. I know that he's available and I know that the knock on him is he does not help you in run defense. And From the people we've talked to on the show, we talked to Mike Kay, talked to Nick Carboni yesterday, what have they talked about this coaching staff really wants? Flexibility. If Ngakwe is someone that you can really only add on the field on one down, is that someone that you want to give the kind of money he's probably looking for? Like, is he worth $10 million? Maybe if he can give you nine and a half sacks, but if that's all he's providing and he's not giving you anything else for those other two downs – or on special teams, is that something they want to bring in? So, I, I don't know. Frank Wright coached him very briefly. I mean, he was there with him throughout the offseason program and in the first, what, five or so games last season before getting ousted there. So, he has somewhat a relationship. I don't know how strong it is. I don't know how he feels about it. I don't know if they've talked to him because I brought up Leonard Floyd. We all brought up Leonard Floyd and his connection to the defensive staff here in Carolina. And he ended up in Buffalo. Now, if I was someone who had already won a Super Bowl, I mean, I'm probably going wherever the money's at. But if I'm someone who wants to go win, then yeah. Are you going to fault him for going through the Buffalo Bills? Which is crazy to say, but Buffalo's pretty good. No, I, I wouldn't. I don't fault him for doing that. But what I'm curious is, were the Panthers ever interested? Like, was that relationship as close as we you think maybe it could have been? And I'm not saying that it, it was. I am just it, it made sense. Just with, you see a lot, oftentimes, Justin McCrae's here in Carolina because he's Been in Cleveland. He's been in Green Bay, I believe. I think he's been in Houston with James Campen. We saw Matt Rule bring in his temple guys. We saw when Ron Rivera left here, he brought Heineke. He brought Kyle Allen. He brought Joey Sly. Some coaches have their guys. So when you have your guys, they typically follow you. So maybe, Alex, you bring up a decent point. Maybe Yannick Ngakwe, who played for Frank Reich for like six games, is not one of Frank Reich's guys. Taylor Stallworth, who we brought in, sounds like he might be a Frank Wright guy. So I don't know, don't know, but that you can't rule it out. Maybe that is the reason they know him, they being the coach, and he doesn't want to have anything to do with that. We'll see, because that certainly is a uh, a glaring knee. But then Mike K brought up to us that they understand it's a two year rebuild. So do they need to go out there and pay money for Yannick Ngakwe, or should they just save those resources? with the guys on the roster. Who knows? So, there we go. That's going to wrap up this edition of the Locked On Panthers Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, hosted by yours, Julie, Julian Council. Again, y'all subscribe or follow for free on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. And, of course, follow me, Julian Council, on Twitter, at Julian Council, where on Fridays throughout the off season i answer your weekly friday mailbag questions either at me or dm me i guess you can also dm me on instagram since that's something people are doing and that handle too is at julian council and i'm on threads at julian council hit me there instagram threads twitter wherever facebook don't use that i I don't i don't use that but wherever you want to do to get your questions in go ahead and do that and i'll answer them next friday here on the weekly friday mailbag on locked on panthers but in the meantime be safe be happy Be whole, and as always, keep pounding.